Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. It is time. We are back. It is Killer Bees, episode 12. For the first time since July. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. That's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fell off there. doesn't seem like that long, but, yeah, I guess so. So, for those of you that do not remember who we are or anything, I'm Tommy Barbie, and I'm joined, as always, by Keelan Blue. Hello. It's good to my, see you. My favorite person in White Sox fandom. No, good to see you, too. you're mine. Um, it's been a interesting last few weeks. Um, you know, we went from the cautious optimism of the White Sox season to the crushing <laughs> defeat of, um, the playoffs. And if you have, um, if you've been following along, you know that on Southside Sox, we've been doing a lot of, um, festivities around Soxivus, which I, think might end up being an annual thing. We'll have to see how it goes. But um, in the spirit of the thing that White Sox fandom always likes to do, which is complain extensively <laughs> about our Love team it. and the things that we do, it seemed like an apt time to air our grievances. So we aired our grievances, and it felt good. And then we talked about the best of times in White Sox his, um, 2021 season, and that was nice. And now we're talking about the worst games of the 21, uh, 2021 season, and that has also been cathartic. But, Keelan, the game that you picked out, I think, is a very interesting microcosm of the White Sox season, so I was hoping you could talk about it a little bit more. Yes. So I chose 
Um, I chose the game where we were playing the Twins, and your meme hit that home run. I mean, I don't even have to give any more details. <laughs> Everybody probably knows, <laughs> you know. The game where he got they, yelled at. <laughs> yeah, the, your meme getting yelled at game um, for breaking an for un, unwritten ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I chose that game because I do feel like, as you kind of mentioned, like there were a lot of hopes at the beginning of the season and then your mean was such a, even like, you know, I, I feel like I was very engaged this whole season and that seems like years ago. And just reading back on that time, he was such a huge figure. I mean, we went crazy for him and he was yeah. crushing it. And it he was, had his own hamburger. Yeah. And it was like now a blip on the radar kind of, but at the time, <laughs> you know, we were like, Oh my god. Which is kind of sad, but mm-hmm. <laughs> in retrospect, though. But it was a good time and you know, he started to slump and I think those of us and I, I wanted to believe like he would come back and in a way I still do believe there's something there, but you know, it's probably not gonna be given a chance like he has been given now. Um yeah. but yeah, I was wanting good things for him, so um you know, I don't know who wouldn't. He's on our team. But, yeah, he hit um, – he swung on a 3-0, and he homered, and it was a it was a bomb. And, you know, they were up – the Sox were up over the Minnesota Twins already quite a bit. Um, it was like 15-4. to And so, yeah, I mean, Tony La Russa went and the press conference shared that he was disappointed in Yerman and there would be consequences and – that he apologized to the twins and, you know, there were different, as you will remember, there were different kind of opinions about it. And it became a bit of a divisive topic um, within White Sox fandom. And that was annoying <laughs> <laughs> because it it really did get kind of like polar. It got really like, ugly. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. so weird. Like, yeah. Um, so that was a really you know, we've had a lot of losses um, that were bummers, but that's such a weird example because it's like we should be so happy we're kicking the Twins' ass, um, even though it wasn't that challenging this year. <laughs> um, and, you know, just how how it was handled. And it it made, you know, I don't know how many people remember, but it was national news, maybe not like huge national news, but it, it – Trending on Twitter. Yeah. 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 Um, My brother and I were texting about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, it it was weird because it was a people were already skeptical of Larissa, understandably. And then, you know, when you have this people in the clubhouse having differing opinions and being open to the press about it, it's not a good look no matter what. Um, So, yeah. And it seems like everything turned out okay for everyone except for your mean and you know, then not long after that, he uh, was sent down and then he had sort of a something going on mentally or who knows. Yeah. You know, he posted some things on Instagram about retiring and then he came back in just a short period. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was a very weird period of time. And I think the the two aspects that I remember the most um, were the kind of Larusa almost excusing ahead of time the twins hitting 
the socks, yes. you know, headers afterwards. And just how weird it was that he would publicly say that. I mean, it's one thing if you talk about that internally and it's like, okay, you know, we're probably going to get hit tomorrow, whatever. But, you know, it, I, I know that people are going to think that I'm reading too far into it, but to me, it kind of set a precedent when you look at how many times, uh, Jose Abreu got hit throughout the season. Yeah. Where it's like, it, once you start kind of permitting examples where it's like, oh yeah, it's okay if you hit us, we'll understand and never really retaliate or do anything to kind of defend your guys. It turned into this weird slippery slope. And I, I was never a fan of it for that reason. Yeah, no, that totally, that makes sense. And I do remember that game the next day was, it was very tense. And, it was, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it was, it was tense. And yeah, that's a good point. Like, and some of our guys just, I'm sure they would, some of them would throw down, but some of them like a brave. I mean, he's not gonna, for the most part, like, he gets hit and he takes it. He doesn't go like fight or anything. So it's mm-hmm. so interesting that we're talking about, oh yeah, you broke an unwritten rule and now you're going to have this. Now you have to face the consequences. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it also it's like, it's pretty lame if it's unwritten to be talking about it out loud and like well, you said, almost permitting it in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, and the other part of it was this kind of that where. As a manager, your job is to at least public facing defend your guys no matter what. So what I expected out of LaRusso was him to say, yeah, that's not what I would have done. I told him to take the pitch. He should have taken the pitch. We'll deal with it internally. Like, that's all you have to say. And then if you want to ream him out in the clubhouse, ream him out in the clubhouse. But the way that he went about it, and I, I remember how angry, like, C.C. Sabathia was, of all people, uh, talking about it. And it he really kind of went on the messaging that I was frustrated with, that it for the team to communicate well with each other, they all have to be on the same page. Yeah. And there was so much disarray where Tony was saying one thing, Lance Lynn was saying something else. Adam Eaton was saying something else. Tim Anderson was saying something (laughs) else. And it just made everything feel so weird that they weren't on the same page on something that shouldn't have been a big deal. But I think because no one was on the same page, it became a big deal. And it's much like, you know, once again, comparing it to later in the season, Michael Kopech. No one knew what was going on with Michael Kopech with his health? Could he pitch? Could he start? Could he, is he reliever? Is he one inning or five innings? And when Katz came out and said, oh yeah, he could pitch five innings and it's fine. Okay, well, why didn't he start? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just, those are just some of the examples where for a guy that you hired in Larusa to be the steady hand that has the experience, that has the knowledge, so on and so forth, it never really felt like he had the control or oversight on his team the way that you would expect out of a manager. No, yeah, um, that was definitely because, I mean, in retrospect, 
you know, everybody's still understandably people have backed off Larissa a little to Mm -hmm. an extent. Um, But at the beginning of the season, you know, we were all skeptical, even though it was like we want to be hopeful. And we were because we were doing well and things were coming together. Um, But, yeah, like that was definitely a terrifying in a way time for the rest of the season, because it's like like you said, if they're not together on the same page, it's like, how is this going to work? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was a, um, I thought that was a really good pick of, of the game because to me, there have been a lot of like performance related blunders or things of that nature, but that was a game where the Sox won, but this thing overshadowed for several games. It wasn't even just like one or two games and done. It was like, a week later, it was yeah. still being talked about with the same level of hostility as if it happened the same day. Yeah, And yeah. people were engaging on it. Yeah, and to, I mean, you know, as we kind of talked about, Yermin has done some things since then that are like, yep. I will say I love I love the guy. I still do, but not a good look, you know, and I, I don't know what's going on there, but just from like a from the optics position, like that does mm-hmm. not, it doesn't look good. You know, I hope he's okay and everything. Um, but, you know, even since then, it's like, it still kind of hurts because it's like, damn, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, it's, he wasn't, they weren't all aligned. So, right. yeah, even if he was getting yelled at at the clubhouse, it does, it sucked to see him kind of get thrown under the bus. And, you know, I do remember too some of the comments Larissa made about Lance Lynn. Um, you know, he said like, "Well, he's not the one with an office and stuff like that." Was just like, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, what is this? What's happening?" Yeah, and I just, I, I agree. Like, I, I don't think your mean is going to end up back on any sort of major league roster anytime soon. Now that being said, with the universal DH being on the table. Who knows? That might change. But, you know, there's a reason why someone with his bat potential is a 28-year-old that has been bouncing around in the minor leagues. Like, you know, there's going to be some red flags there beyond we can't find a position for him to play because there's a lot of guys that don't necessarily have a great, knack for defensive ability, but their bat plays well enough that they find a spot for you, whether it's left field, first base, whatever. Um, So I'm not shocked by it. I just think that if you are going to celebrate a player when he's doing well, you shouldn't then immediately shun them and put out all of these hit pieces from certain folks on, you know, NBC Sports to say, oh, yeah, your means not that great of a guy, actually, and and here's, like, why it's okay that we're throwing him out the door. It, it That was the part that, to me, just felt like oh, unnecessary yeah. um, attempt at damage control that, that yeah. didn't need to be there. Yeah, and it – no, I agree completely. Like, the turn – in the media from the team was like so fast. Yeah. And I feel like that maybe is part of why we saw like two differing things mm-hmm. in the clubhouse even too. It's like, yep. yeah. And another thing is too, like 
just the differing opinions between kind of old school people and then folks who are like, you know, I think Colleen Sullivan wrote an article about like <laughs> the unwritten rules and it's very funny. Um, if you guys ever read it, we can put it in the show. Check it out. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Um, she wrote an article about it. I feel like that captures it really well, um, from how I feel like, but you know, when you talk to other people, they're like, well, that's still, that's a, that's a thing. That's a baseball thing. And that has been, and you know, there's so many differing opinions about it, but ultimately for all of us, what was bad was that they were on different pages and it looked terrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm is, you know, Yes, I embrace advanced metrics, but I'm also, I totally understand the traditionalist factor because I grew up watching baseball. So I've been around just as many of the old heads as the, you know, newer geeky generation of of baseball fans. So I get that there are unwritten rules, but at the same time, I've never seen a manager hang out his player publicly like that. And that's the part where it's just like, eh. I, you know, if you have an issue with it, that's fine. Deal with it inside. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. It's like if you're going to be old school, why not also be old school in that mentality? Exactly. Which is keep, it, keep it in the house, you know? Right. It reminds me, it reminded me a lot of, like, when couples fight or something. It's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> we'll wait till we get home to talk about this. That exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was just so weird. And it was a really dark spot. Like you said, even though we won, it's like. That's that was a dark time. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of had some lingering effects where it just, um, you know, even up into the game that I covered, which was the last game that the Sox ended up playing, it still had that cloud of miscommunication that was kind of overshadowing everything else. And the players not really playing like a team that had just, had a comeback victory in the playoffs that had something to prove that had a chip on their shoulder. They just kind of went out with a whimper and that's not what you want to see from a team that's supposed to be this world series competing um, club. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I agree that I think all through the playoffs, it, you know, obviously we had our one win (laughs) disastrous, but (laughs) But watching the other games was almost, especially, you know, one and four was so, like you said on um, the Sox of this podcast, too, it's like they knew, they were just like, whatever, we're over it, mm-hmm. which is sad. I turned it off because I was like, they've just given up. They, or it seems like they've given up. I don't know yeah. that all of them have, but it just seemed like they did. And it's like, at that point in the season, if you're giving up here, it's, I don't know. It's like, what is going on? It, but it, then all yeah. the players have been, you know, they've been like speaking out positively about. Uh, they've been saying so. the right things, but yeah. it's just like you never should have this air of inevitability in a playoff baseball game. Yeah. Like that, that goes against the whole point of playoff baseball is that usually there are those moments of hey, they're really grinding, they're trying to work it out, they're trying to compete, they're trying to pull it together. Yeah. Can they pull through? Where with the Sox, it was just kind of like, mm, no, not today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, weird. it, it's, it's like, just, it, it was a very weird experience because even when they were struggling, like, you know, when the bullpen started collapsing for the Field of Dreams game, you could still tell 
that the White Sox were battling and competing. So yeah. when Tim Anderson hit the walk-off home run, that moment was just kind of like, ah, there it is. Like, I knew they were going to put it together. But after that, it was just kind of like, are they going to show up? Are they going to put the ball in the air? Are they going to do anything more than just ground out and beat the ball into the ground continuously? They lost the wheel to win. <laughs> Thank you, Hawk. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Most I mean, it's, it is, it is, that TWTW. But it is, though. <laughs> Especially right now, I'm like, it's important. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with that in mind, it has been an interesting off season already where um, the Sox decided to decline on um, keeping Cesar Hernandez around, which, you know, everyone probably saw coming. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, they are... Bringing back Craig Kimball, they, um, you know, accepted his uh, option to bring him back with the idea um, for many that that means it will be it will lead to a trade. Of course, that means that some team has to be convinced that he's worth the money to be that good as a closer, since he's clearly not a setup man, um, which is one question. Um, and right. then, yeah, and then Why? more perplexingly to me. They declined to extend any sort of qualifying offer to Juan Carlos Rodon, who is now a free agent. And even if he signs with another team, the Sox don't get a draft pick. Um, what are your thoughts around all of those lovely moves? Well, uh, Cesar Hernandez, I'm okay with. But I think, okay, so overall blanket statement with any of these folks, like you mentioned, I think Finding a replacement for them is a little, always, always a little nerve-wracking. Um, and then, two, I do think a, with any kind of um, a, maybe a potential lockout on, on the horizon, you know, when we're talking about any of that, it's also kind of like, ugh. So, um, yeah, I mean, with Hernandez, I was kind of like, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, again, I always look at – uh, kind of hindsight and I just remember bringing him in and people were they were all aboard like Trevor's story and then it was like okay well if you compare their stats they're similar so this will be yeah. good and he did okay and then he just didn't <laughs> then he was bad yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it was like all right this guy's fine and then he sucked so that's yeah whatever you know sucks but good luck to him um, <laughs> and then Craig Kimbrell so I'm actually kind of biased on him because I like him. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a way I'm like, I would love for him to have another, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I would like for him to do well wherever he goes. Um, But yeah, I mean, he wasn't working for us. Um, I would love on some fantasy level if we like kept him and he turned it around, but like, you're right. It's whatever we have been trying with him is not working. I don't think that's off the table, though. I don't know. Something's not working, though. And it's I think the thing with all of these is and this is a, probably a it's like, is it something we're doing with him? Or, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, why can't we just not do that? And there we go. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's. 
I really personally think that Rick Hahn expected for um, Tony LaRusso to be way more consistent with his bullpen usage than he was. <laughs> and, <think> you're right. <laughs> and, and I think that he got Tapera, Kimbrell, and Hendricks and was like, here, Tony, here are the best three relievers that anyone could get for next to nothing. Here you go. And some way, somehow, he still messed it up. Like, it's impressive how yeah. badly he botched it. And I think for Kimbrell, it was very obvious. Like, it, we've talked about it with setup guys turned closers. It doesn't always work out. A recent White Sox example that I always like to think of is Matt Thornton, who was this outstanding lights out setup guy. The Sox tried moving him over to closer, paid him all this money. He could not close to save his life because mentally he just didn't have the makeup to be a closer. And that's fine. But if you have somebody that clearly has a preference, Hendricks isn't that guy. Hendricks will go in in the sixth inning if you tell him to. Like, he doesn't care. So if you know that, why not have Hendricks just be your ultimate high-leverage guy where it could be the 6th, 7th, or 8th inning? If it's a close game, which it probably will be, you're the guy to come in, but Kimbrell's our guy for the ninth. That, to me, would have been the best way of trying it out as opposed to Kimbrell just kind of getting thrown in in all these different situations and not having that routine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, yeah, it's weird, so it sucks to me, one, it sucks to see, like, the turn on him when when clearly it's, like you mentioned, something's just not working, Yeah, and it seems like a waste, And but people are mentally there already, they're like, mm-hmm. good, you know, because of the playoffs and everything else that happened, um, but yeah, no, I, it's not, that's the thing that worries me too about some of this stuff is it's like we're expecting somebody to just come in and, and work right and not work with them necessarily. Right. So even talking about who, who might we get, you know, there's just so many, there's so many factors, which I think is a good transition to Carlos Rodon <laughs> because yeah, I mean, to me, uh, I was like, that sucks and why? Yeah. Um, I do, you know, as we talked about on Socks of This, I do worry that maybe there's something more going on there, injury and health-wise. Um, but I also feel like even with that, we've gone through him with Tommy John. We've He was still doing decent even when he was injured. Right. And then, like you said yesterday, like, I think, I think you said this on our, our Socks of This podcast. I think it was you. Like, why even – mess with giving him away if he's going to perform well even like half the season yeah he carried us for a large part of the season and well and and it's also it's very clear um that the white Sox need starting pitching depth because if kopech is going to be one of your starters he has yet to pitch a full season yeah. And he has yet to pitch. I, I don't even know if he's pitched more than 100 innings. Like, I, you're looking at somebody that is going from about 50 to 60 innings last year to now you're expecting them to pitch every fifth or sixth day. 
you have Ronaldo Lopez, who has performed well down the stretch, that basically seems to have pitched his way onto the team in some way, shape, or form. You have Keuchel, (laughs) who isn't any good, and if he continues to crater out at the rate that he's going, you're going to have to figure out something to do with him that isn't starting every fifth day. And (laughs) that's making the assumption that Lance Lynn is 100% healthy, and that um, Cease is going to be the Cease that you've wanted Cease to be since the beginning of time. Like, there are so many question marks. I don't understand, even with injury, how there isn't a fit for Carlos Rodon on the team if he says yes to an $18 million contract for one year, which I don't even think he would say yes to because he said all along that he wants the security of a longer-term contract. Yeah. 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 And I don't know either. <laughs> As here. Um, and we're on the same page. I, it's interesting too seeing people who feel the different way. They feel like he's toast. He is, he, he is hurt and he's going to be garbage. But I also yeah. feel like he's, if he can recover like he did from Tommy John surgery, like I have faith that there's something mentally in him and hopefully physically too. You know, maybe maybe he's he is dealing and he is maybe injury prone. Although I don't even know it's that. It's like he was relied on so much for so long, and he for so long yeah. was amazing. He performed yeah. pretty consistently. That it's like I'm not even really concerned like about that too much. Obviously, yes, but like you said, I think the problem is the depth because we did have to rely on him so much. Mm-hmm. And I, another thing with it I worry about is people are looking at this like a one-to-one, like we're going to get a one-to-one right. trade. And it's like, that is not. That's not how it works. We don't. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we don't even need a one-to-one. It's We need somebody else. And like you kind of mentioned, we're carrying some dead weight mm-hmm. that should be utilized, but we can't. So, yeah. Um, no, it's frustrating because it's like just – who, who are we going to get? I mean, that's always the question. Yeah. Well, and what are you going to get him for? Yeah. That you're talking about an organization that has a history of not liking risk when it comes to their pitchers. Like, they'll sign position players to longer-term contracts, but pitchers, you're looking at maybe a three-year max with bunches of options thrown in on the back end to try to make it as a sweetener. And the contracts are almost always front-loaded, which means you're looking at guys that are going to be older pitchers that are either reclamation projects or close to it coming back. And, you know, I think it was yesterday the Dodgers signed Andrew Heaney, who, if anybody watched him pitch last year, he was terrible. I know. He signed signed a one-year deal for $9 million dollars. And the Dodgers are, you know, the Dodgers are smart. They're approaching it the same way that the Blue Jays approached Robbie Ray uh, the previous season where Robbie Ray looked awful, but the Blue Jays were like, eh, we see something with him. We can work with him. We'll figure it out. They signed him to a short-term contract, and that worked out tremendously for them. And I know the Dodgers are banking on the same thing. But if you're looking at reclamation projects getting – $10 $10 million over a season, there's no way you're going to come close to getting somebody with Rodon's potential for anywhere near $18 million. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, exactly. The, 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 I just think the Sox completely misplayed the market. Yeah, <laughs> completely, which is very confusing. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like there's no there's no maniacal plan, evil genius plan for this. And no. that's the thing I think a lot of people aren't looking at. We're always like, oh, this person's hurt or this person didn't do very well. When really there's a lot of other factors. We're a lot of fans, not all of them, but a lot of fans are big on like kind of almost like throwaway culture in a way. It's like this guy didn't perform well. It's like these are humans. There's a lot of factors and so many things that make a difference. Um, I mean, I, the things we've talked about with Craig Kimbrell is like those probably are pretty fixable, Mm -hmm. but do they want to fix it? Um, I don't know. So yeah, I, I think. I'm trying to remember what was it? I think it was with this whole theme with this started for me as a newer White Sox fan. I think when we got rid of Ricky Renteria and I remember mm-hmm. people were like, yay. And I was like, okay, but who's going to be the manager? Who's going to be the new manager? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, that's great. I'm new here, but he seemed like he was okay. Mm-hmm. So who's available? You know, and then when the list of people came up, it was like, not a great list of people, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. And, you know, it ended up, it ended up working out all right, but kind of. So but yeah. Once again, the Sox didn't go any further this year than they went last year. No. And, and the record was about the same. Yeah. And I would say our, I mean, we had more talent. We this didn't year, know. Absolutely. Yeah. This yeah. Year. Yeah. yeah. Some of that maybe we didn't know to expect, but we did. We did have that this year. Um, and, yeah, you're right. We, so, I mean, it's just I I do think you're right. There is this obsession with, you know, the new shiny thing without necessarily an appreciation of, okay, but you actually do have something here. What are you going to do? Because you can't replace it with a single player. So what two or three players are you going to get to help fill that gap? Yeah. And the Sox have never been good at approaching it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun time. <laughs> I've learned this pretty quickly in my short time as a fan. I'm ready for a lifetime of pain. There you go. <laughs> and that's why you're with us. And that's why you're with us, listener. Um, as you listen to us on the Killer Bees podcast, um, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will come back to talk more about the hot stove. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
And we're back with Jazz Hands, Keelan Blue. And, um, yeah, with that in mind, are there any wish list items for you or just even areas of focus um, that you would like to see the White Sox kind of tackle heading into this upcoming year? Assuming there's no strike, like, you know, yeah. all of this with the caveat that there may not be a 2022 season. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. And we have plans if there's not a, a 2022 season. Uh, Tommy and I are going to create a, a telenovela, although it won't be on TV. So what's a radio <laughs> soap opera? Whatever the web video version is of a telenovela, that's what it's yeah. going to be. <laughs> yeah. YouTube series of the White House. It'll be a reading. There yeah. we go. So a dramatic reading. Yep. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> stay tuned, everybody. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously second base is a problem. <laughs> and big hole there. Yeah. yeah, big hole there. And I feel like we've been, geez, we've been talking about this for a long time now, haven't mm-hmm. we? And we, we put a Band-Aid there, but it's like, what are we going to do? Are we just going to – honestly, I'm – if we're not going to – I'm fine with just, like, sticking people in there at this point, but try something for the love but of God. But who do you stick? They don't even have, don't like, know. other guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, unless it's, like, Lurie Garcia and, you know, bring no. back Yelmer or something. No. <laughs> I don't know what you do. <laughs> no, but I mean, even people on the team, I'm like, I don't even care at this point. Just try something because yeah. it's just been painful. Like, how long have we been talking about this? For a while. I mean, yeah. even even oh, with amazing. Madrigal being drafted, it was just kind of like, all right, this is fine. But if he doesn't turn, you know, become that level of player that the Sox needed him to be, what's next? And they're, they're still waiting on what's next. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, it's like, just take care of that. So Yeah. Because that's huge. We've been talking about it for way too long. Nothing's working. So... I mean, there's always a risk with who you pick up, but figure out something. As mm-hmm. far as as far as who, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? Um, I am of the opinion I I would like to see Simeon come back to the White Sox. I know I it's not know. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I to me, most of the money needs to be spent on some sort of a position player. Um, whether that's right field or second base, or even if you got creative and brought in somebody like a Chris Bryant that can play multiple positions or like hell, you know, on steroids. Yeah. I mean, you, you need somebody that can kind of come in and play those roles for the, for the White Sox. Um, you know, somebody that I floated around as half joking, half not as a reclamation project was, Ian Desmond, who would probably cost next to nothing, hasn't played in two years because of COVID, and um, but plays multiple positions and is known for a, you know having a lot of pop in his bat. If the Sox can't spend money for whatever reason, there are guys like that that are around that you can kind of plug in as position players. But their second area of need for me is starting pitching, just because you don't have anyone in the minors. Like, there are no pitching prospects in the minors that are close. Yeah. Um, So you're looking at needs pretty much 
one through five as starters and at least a couple of guys that can come out of the bullpen to help fill in some of those gaps. Um, you can't count on Keuchel. You can't count on Kopech being available for the entire season and pitching into the playoffs because we saw that happen with Rodon and, and really most of the guys. Um, so I just think that those are the two areas of focus. And I would say it's probably the time to start trading away um, some of the lovely fringe prospects that we have. And, yes, that might even mean a guy like Sheets, who I love, or Berger, or some of these other guys. But they just have too many samey type guys that are on the roster that aren't either going to be impact bats with a limited upside, or they're going to be bench or roll guys. And, you know, that's how you kind of trade those guys away, get some bullpen help, get some depth, things like that, I think, are the, the areas that I would look at. Yeah, I will say, too, towards the end of the season especially, and, again, this could go back to, like, it looked like they were asleep out there at times. Mm-hmm. Um, the hitting was also just off. Bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, they – Yeah. Everyone was calling for Minichino to be fired, and I understand why. Um, my only pause around it is the Sox in 2020 – were fourth in Major League Baseball with home runs. Like, yeah. they were absolutely killing the ball. They were getting the ball in the air. They were hitting home runs. They were doing everything well. This year has been such a weird fluke year. And then considering the health and lack yeah. of conditioning that you've talked about extensively and the injuries, it's like how much of it was that or how much of it is hitting philosophy and that I think we'll find that out this year. Yeah, and you're right. Folks were out with injuries. I mean, Eloy and Luis were both out for a mm-hmm. long time, um, and that's huge. It, so, yeah. Um, but then they were, even at, at the playoffs, they were kind of off, which, again, I mean, I feel like I think there was just something else there. It wasn't fairly that they can't do it. It's just something was missing in general. And I will say, too, a lot of people, and I thought this, like, we saw problems all season. And I'm going to be honest, like, the whole season I was like, we're probably not going to make it past round one, obviously. Like, I I hope we do, but. We talked about this. I was like, this team is not making it past the first round. Like, you could tell. Yeah, you could tell. Um but I don't think it's that they can't. I think they can. There's just a few things missing. There were so many things off. I don't know if that is. I think everything's there. It's just things weren't working together. Yeah. I mean, the Braves did it. I think we could have done it, too. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot of the things they have, but I still feel like we could have done it. We had, yeah. we had it there. It just things broke. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, on that note... We will conclude episode 12. It is good to see you again. You too. My heart will go on. <laughs> and let's not wait, you know, six months before our next podcast. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because okay. it's time to bring, it, bring back Tommy Stradamus <laughs> and all of your predictions that end up being kind of spooky right sometimes. So. Yeah. I've been around it long enough. You get a sense. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm always learning so much from you. It's great. Likewise. And on that, what? I do. <laughs> Fine. Um, well, we will be back very soon as the hot stove hopefully is actually hot next time we talk, and we'll go from there. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.